0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Go. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Um, I'm glad to to be with you, uh, even if it's by video. My name is Landon. Uh, My wife, Kelly, and I pastor Livingstone Church in San Antonio, Texas, and... uh, Thanks for having us. You guys have been so hospitable and awesome. We love Canada. It's beautiful, and right now it's warm, so we love it even more. Um, you, you guys are have been an, have just been an incredible, um, generous host to us. So thank you. And your pastors are incredible. I want you to just give it up for your pastors for the vision in their heart to lead this church. Uh, we love you guys, and 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 it truly is an honor to come and speak to you today. Um, on uh, A topic that's very close to my heart because it's made a huge impact in my life personally. I want to give you a part two of this series that we're in called Who Am I? Who I Am? And this is who I am. This is who I am. And this is a big deal because a lot of people are searching right now for that significance and they're they're pretty lost. And so what they're doing is, uh, even Christian or not Christian, I'm not talking about that yet, but every one of us are looking for some type of significance in our life. Everybody's got to know, even Maslow's hierarchy, of needs um, says that the number one need for humankind is transcendence. It's no, it's no longer air and water. Like it's every one of us need transcendence, which uh, to Maslow's hierarchy of needs is we all need to live for something that goes beyond ourselves. Yeah. And so even secular sociologists are telling us that people need God. And so this tool we're going to talk to you about today can help you with that. And, and today's message is called All Up In My Feelings uh, with the heart triad. So All Up In My Feelings. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. And I'm going, to, I'm, going to talk, I'm going to give you a little bit of foundation here. So, But first to get started, maybe you can relate to, like I did, you can relate to the feeling of being very stuck. And I want you to think back to that for a minute. Not a highly encouraging way to start a message out, I know, but bear with me. It just gets better. Uh, so it's, it's, it's good to think about these things sometimes. And, and we look back and we remember how it felt to be stuck. Not what was going on, how did you feel? Being stuck in that dead-end job, being stuck in your relationships, being stuck in progress toward your goals. I had found myself stuck stuck emotionally, mentally, and spiritually thereof. My energy was depleted. Uh, come one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, I, I'm no good. Like I was, it was exhausted. I was so tired. I, I was making one bad decision after another. I didn't feel like I could even uh, keep my head above water hardly and maybe had one nostril above the water line. Like it just, I don't know if maybe you felt like that before, but you just felt like if somebody puts one more thing on me, if, if, if I do one more thing wrong, if somebody says one more thing to me, it just, if you've been that frayed before, a lot of times it's because people don't have the tools they need. And it's not because they don't believe in God. It's not because they're not even, and we're thinking, oh, well, they just need Jesus. That's great to say that, but what are we going to do to give them Jesus? It's a totally different approach. And so when we're looking at how to make Jesus palatable to them, um, it's not us standing on a street corner with a megaphone yelling about their sin. We have got to find a way into their life by giving them some practical help. And I want to do that today in a big way. People used to tell me, Landon, it's a spiritual issue. Um, you're just not trusting God enough. And I, and I heard that from some very well-meaning Christians, um, but it was a very ignorant thing to say to me because it did nothing but lead me deeper into guilt that I didn't know God better than I was supposed to or I wouldn't have this problem. Uh, and, and, maybe, and somebody told me one time, maybe you're just not praying enough. And, and that, again, they were trying to push me to God, but it, but it only led me to simply modify my behavior. And so I would get up a little bit earlier and read a new devotional, and and it was great for a few weeks, and you'd feel energized, but then it's back. Like, what is going on? Behavior modification fixes nothing long-term, so something had to adjust. I felt as if I was standing in quicksand as my thoughts grew darker and darker, and my goals went down along that road with my thoughts. You see, four years ago, God called Kelly and I to plant a life-giving church, that would lead people into a vibrant life with Jesus. And that's our, if you go to our website, that's what you see, leading people into a vibrant life. And there was only one problem, though. As I sat there and read the Bible, I was like, that's great, and I know people need that, and I could preach it, but I didn't know how to do that for myself. And so I didn't know this, but even in God's grace and in God's kindness, God was Plant, God had called us to plant this church. And I thought the whole time it was for other people, but he called us to plant this church. And the very first person it was for was for me. And there, there was this healing that happened. And, and that quicksand beneath mine and Kelly's feet began to harden. And we began to climb our way up as we discovered a few things, one was the the a big one of the biggest ones was a deeper personal freedom through genuine relationships. And I and social media has really messed up relationships, to be honest. And I've got it, and I leverage it and whatever, but I don't live my life on it um, because it doesn't. It you're going to learn about my type on the enneagram today. We don't do well on social media, so I can't like I can't go there. It just makes me not like people. I can't go on social media very much. I just tag people and then get off real fast. But it's. But there's, there was these genuine relationships I had to approach, and the only way to be genuine with people is to tell them the truth of what's really going on. What are you really feeling? How many times did you click on that? You've got to be honest with them. You've got to tell people the truth. And, and there's this personal freedom that came to me. Did you know that Jesus is not even in charge of your freedom? Now, now hear me out. You're like, what are you talking about? You're such a sinner. No wonder Texas is the way it is. Um, <laughs> but let, let me tell you... Jesus is not even in charge of your freedom. Jesus is in charge of your freedom from hell. You're in charge of your freedom now. The book of James says, if it doesn't come out of your mouth, you don't get free. James was definitely not on the triad we're talking about today. He's on one Pastor Corey will preach about later because he was very, no nonsense, here's the truth, drop a mic and walk off. Um, That's not my type. Um, we We don't do that very well, but I knew my freedom, When somebody told me that it has to come out of your mouth, Landon, it was the scariest thing ever, but hell's back was broken the day I did. Everything changed, and my identity in Christ was renewed, and I internalized more of who God says I am, which is what this world needs. Uh, Another thing was uh, there was a tool that was given to us that was a game-changer, and as I said earlier, I felt depleted, dark, and tired, and I couldn't make my life make sense. I was so scared. I was so afraid of what my life would look like uh, look like later. And, but God's word was my guide, and I had this tool in my tool belt. And things began to make sense. And, and your pastor feels called to teach you about this tool because it accompanies so much freedom for people today, and it's an ancient tool. But one of the greatest generations ever to be born is the millennials, and let me tell you why. They get a bad rap all the time. But they get a bad rap all the time, but let me tell you, there's not a generation in American history that cares more for people than the millennial generation. They care about people. They wanna be part of a cause. And so if you ever hear a preacher dog on millennials, you know, you need to correct them because they're great people. Has that happened here? Did I just hurt somebody's feelings? Sorry, Corey. So the tool was called, um, the tool's called the Enneagram. Everybody say the Enneagram. Not pentagram, I don't know who said that. The Enneagram, um, the Enneagram is is a wonderful tool. It's a personality typing system that helps people discover who they are and why they think and act the way they do. It doesn't, it's not like the Facebook, what candy bar are you thing or anything like that. It's not like that. It's, it, it goes down into your motivations uh, because the Enneagram is more about what has made you, you. So like a personality test, like the DISC assessment or Myers-Briggs is about how gifted you are. And we all like to learn that, right? We all want to know what am I good at. But when we take the Enneagram, you learn about what happened in your childhood that has made you the way you are. Nobody wants to learn that, right? So no one's going to, so don't leave the auditorium yet. Um, this is very important because it's, it, it, this is going to set you free. I'm, I'm standing here as a proof of a testimony that God can really use this tool to set people free. Now, the Enneagram is not truth. It's a tool. Only God's word is truth. It is the only truth. So I'm I'm not like, I don't get points or uh, there's no multi-level marketing scheme on me. Every time I say the word Enneagram, I get a penny. That's not how this works. Um, But this was a tool that set me and Kelly free. Uh, The Enneagram helps people to understand who they are at their best and who they are when they're at their worst. It gives nine types of people, all, all with their motivations, their leanings, their fears, their weaknesses, and their strengths. It shows us how we adopted coping mechanisms as children to survive and how those mechanisms in our adulthood actually lead to our demise. And so we have to find a way to adjust um and and come up with uh, our motivations have to find a new pathway uh, to be fulfilled. And so I firmly believe that with the enneagram and God's word and the right people in our corner we can find the blind spots in our life. And you and I are like, you know, cursing the devil and, you know, you, you know, having prayer times and knocking down heaven and and you and you 're not feeling any different, and the devil's sitting there going i didn 't even do that, but thanks for giving me credit um, and and i 'm going to show you a scripture right now uh, but let me let me show you this quote first actually I firmly believe that the, that John Calvin had this nailed without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God and and i and i 'm not saying you know i'm i 'm not trying to make a theological statement, but I believe what John Calvin is saying here is that Why would you not want to learn about God's favorite creation in the deepest possible way? Why would we not want to learn about ourselves? He made you ridiculously complex. And all the husbands in the room, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, Mark 12. This is the scripture that's going to prove it to you. Mark chapter 12. You should love the eternal, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and with all of your strength. The second great commandment is like it. Love others in the same way that you love yourself. So what Jesus is saying here, the level at which you are able to have healthy relationships is completely correspondent to the level at which you love yourself. So when people don't have healthy relationships, it's usually a good indicator they really don't like themselves or they're very confused about who they are and they need someone to help dig them out of that hole. And so you hear this a lot of times, love God, love people, love God, love people. Yes, that's true, but there's a caveat here. Part of that is not possible without one thing. We can't love God and love people without loving ourselves. But the, the phrase should be, the great commandment should be, love God, love yourself, love people. But we don't talk about that because it sounds prideful. And we're scared to sound like that, and we don't want to come across that way, and we're like, oh, I, 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 I don't want to take a stand on me, you know. It's and there's this, been this self deprecation in Christianity, um, and, and, and it, it just it started out with good intentions and it led us down the wrong road. And so, we're trying to bring us back to center, and you need to love yourself based on how, based on the knowledge of how you know God sees you. And not because, oh, I'm so good at this, or I'm so, that's pride. I'm, I'm talking about fall in love with the person God made. Like, be, you, you can't love people or move forward in your purpose in life until you get a grip on you. And, and that can, that, this church is going to help take you there. And this church is going to help you do that. Yeah. So to hear an overview of all nine types, what I need you to do is go watch last week's message uh, where we gave an introduction to all nine types, including their core strengths, their core sins, their core desires, their core needs. Uh, we also learned that the Enneagram types are divided into three triads based on their instinctive motivation. So the first triad is the gut triad. Everybody say gut triad. So those are the types eights, nines, and ones. Uh, anger hides just beneath the surface um, they 're bold personalities um, they, they they are some of the the most powerful people on the planet um, and the head triad everybody I say head triad uh, those are the five six and five sixes and sevens uh, they're they 're very mental focused they 're process based people. Um, emotions get in the way of thinking. Um, so, so when you watch a movie like Flubber, you know, Robin Williams is a five. Like, he missed his wedding because he had to do this experiment, and he was like, got laser focused. It's like you miss life happening because you're thinking a lot. But if a five is healthy, if a six is healthy, if a seven is healthy, they help us think through issues before the rest of us jump off the cliff. Maybe that's not a good idea, you know. So you need these head triad people, and the heart triad. Everybody say heart triad. Those are the twos, threes, and fours. They're feelings-oriented. They're the most interpersonal of all of the types. They're feelers. They're heavy feelers. They feel first, think later. Uh, where the gut triad is they speak first, think later. The heart triad feels first, they think later. The head triad is they think first and never speak. And so you, it's, we're, we're going to learn all about that. So, today we're diving into the heart triad. Why the heart triad landed? Why did Pastor Corey ask you to speak about the heart triad? Uh, because your pastors both are in the heart triad, we think. And that's why we're going to work on, on, on that. But I can't wait to show you more awesome stuff about them. And so I get to do that because it would be weird if they did it for themselves. So, I'm going to do that today. Um, so, Every, every triad, um, every point on the Enneagram, what we've done at our church this last summer, we did a nine-week series called Tan Lines, and we took a, a whole summer what you've walked in has left its mark. And the whole thing was you're exposed to the sun and you're walking dangerous terrain. It's left a mark on you, um, but you're still here. God was there the whole time. That's why you got marks. He left, he was there with you. So don't rebuke your past. Use it as fuel for the future. So that was this last summer. So it was a ton of, ton of fun. It was nine weeks through the Enneagram. It was a blast. And, and we gave a biblical character for every type of the Enneagram. And we're gonna do that today. And we're going to start off with the twos, threes, and fours. I'm only doing the heart triad today. I did an introduction to the Enneagram last week, and then your pastor's going to take the next couple of weeks and do the gut triad and the head triad. But today, let's start off with the type two, the helper. Type two, the helper. I love the helpers. The helpers are incredible people. Everybody, look, they're holding presents. Everybody loves a helper. Everybody loves uh, twos on the Enneagram. Um, Pastor Aaron is a two on the Enneagram. Everybody loves twos. Um, and why do we all love twos? Because they help you. It's self-explanatory. Everybody loves a two. Um, their service is your middle name. You love giving to others as long as you're healthy because um, you don't need the attention in your helping. So when you're healthy, you just give to people and you love to do that. You're affirming, unselfish, sacrificial. You are excellent caregivers. You are incredible people. Let's look at our type two in the Bible, and it's Martha. Let's look at our type two in the Bible. Martha, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now stop right there. She welcomed him into her home. I'm going to take that to mean uh, twos make room for Jesus when they're healthy. She welcomed him in. He was not an annoyance Yet, So let's keep reading. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what was being taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner. Martha was concerned. Now listen, tos. you get so wrapped up in the details that you miss the greatest opportunities right in front of you. And you can miss the true reason of why you're doing what you're doing. You can literally have Jesus hanging out in your living room, but you're more concerned with mashed potatoes that you forgot Jesus was there. And so we've got to stay focused. Now, she was more distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus. She was so frustrated about it. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my good-for-nothing sister just sits here? I'm all there, I'm over there making all of this making all of your dreams come true, Jesus. And she's just sitting here. You guys heard me in the kitchen cussing at the tomatoes. You could have come helped. Jesus, you could have sliced them with a miracle, but no. You let me do it. So I'm doing all the work. Here's where it goes wrong. Jesus, you need to tell her. And now the, the twos in the room are like, well, I'm not a two. I don't like that part. No, this is all about us embracing all of who we are, even the parts you don't like. So twos, you just cussed at Jesus. Hope you're happy. you the Lord. Jesus, like, you're the Lord. I get it, big deal. But I got a suggestion for you. Okay, I'm glad y'all are here for dinner and I had to clean, I had to do everything. and you know, I'm gonna have to clean when you leave. And you know, Peter never cleans up after himself. Um, it's it just... You guys are a disaster. So I'm I'm glad glad y'all are here. Um, And we're going to get to the core sin of a two in a moment. So she gets offended. Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, aren't you glad that Jesus approaches you with grace when you act like a fool? So glad he's done that for me over and over and over. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details but there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Don't you know that would just enrage someone who's already offended? (laughs) Listen tos, don't miss Jesus because you're so focused on what you're feeling at the moment because you're in the heart triad, which means you feel first. So she's hearing truth, but I don't know if it's registering yet. For a two, it's easy to prepare. It's easy to plan. You guys are great planners. It's easy to do the dishes. It's easy to serve, but it's harder to sit, and it's harder to listen, and it's harder to enjoy conversation. If you've got people in your family, and there's uh, I almost said Thanksgiving dinner. There's you've got, you've got people, um, and you're at a big dinner on Canada Day. I don't know. Do you guys have dinner on Canada Day? I don't know. But, but you, you, have, you have a bunch of people over at your house, and um, there's people that just can't sit at the table when it's all over, and they're up, and there's clanking in the kitchen, and you're like, I thought we were all sitting here, like, having a great conversation with the family, and somebody just gets antsy, because there's dishes to do now. We're going to be up till midnight if someone doesn't do this, and they got to get up. They're missing great family time, because the dishes need washed. They will always need washed. That's why we use paper plates, all right? So, Mary has discovered it, and he just goes right at it. Martha, I'm so thankful for the pot roast, but here's what your sister has discovered. My words are more important than your dinner. But he's not worried about getting punched because he's Jesus, so he's not worried about that. (laughs) The most important thing happening at Martha's house that day was not the meal. The most important thing was the meal Jesus was preparing, and it was the words coming out of his mouth, the words of life, and she missed it. So two's your incredible servants you're highly faithful, dependable, honest, and you're ready to get your hands dirty. Now, for each type of the Enneagram, uh, what we're going to do is tell you what part of God they reflect. And so here's how type twos reflect God's heart. They reflect God's heart for serving. It's very simple, right? You're like, Land, you've said serviceable, yeah, but you just need to see it. They reflect God's heart for service. God is always looking for a way to take care of someone. He's always looking for a way. And each of us reflect a part of God's image, whether you believe that or not, how you are wired reflects a different part of God. And we need you to be you. So two truths that, tr- that twos need to hear. Truth number one, your identity is not in what you do, it's in who you are. You're a child of God. So your identity, your tombstone is not gonna say, I was so glad she cleaned up after every dinner. I was so glad that he did this for me every time. It's not going to say that. It's not going to say that at all. Truth number two, your heart of service has the capacity to overshadow the beauty of the people around you. And so that's where pride comes in because the core sin of a two, go back and listen to last week, the core sin of a two is pride. Well, and they're helpers. How could they be prideful? They get very self righteous because why aren't they as good as me? Why aren't they doing things like me? I am the best dream teamer at Venue Church. If they had an MVP award, I better get it because surely they all see me. And that's where two goes wrong. We lose our motivation. So I, I know you're God, and, 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 but I'm a two, and I'm concerned about what you're letting Mary get away with. When she thought she knew better than Jesus, she needed someone around her to help her see truth. And for her, thank God, it was God in her living room. So Luke Luke 10:40 in the voice translation says it this way. Meanwhile, Martha was anxious about all the hospitality arrangements. You ever tried to plan a party with someone that's just like freaking out? And you're like, just Amazon it all. Who cares? Like, just get it sent here. Um, And then here's the big part I want you to see. Martha interrupting Jesus. Twos, if you're not careful, you interrupt Jesus with your offense, and you halt the movement of God in the moment because you're offended. It's easy for you to get offended because you love people so deep and when they don't love you as deep as you've loved them, it's easy for you to get hurt. But twos, when you're healthy and your pride's not taken over, you serve people like nobody else and you make time for self-care too. You are an incredible, incredible person. So number three on the Enneagram in the heart triad, threes. So twos are the helpers, threes are the achiever. I love the Achiever. I'm a three. I love type threes. So far the verdict is Pastor Cory's a three. We'll figure that out for sure, but we need to know. Type threes, the Achiever. These people are ridiculous in their productivity. It is, it, it makes the rest of you tired watching how much they get done. Like, when did you do that? I don't know, when did you be lazy? That's when I did that. You know, it's like threes just get everything done so fast. Um, They're very adaptable. They're very driven. They enjoy motivating others to greater heights of success. They're competitive. Everything is a competition. Um, The not saved part of me comes out on the freeway, and so uh, it was. I'm I'm in a NASCAR race every time I'm on a highway. You know, it's it just. It's more fun that way. Who likes driving the speed limit? And so it's everything. It's a, you're competitive. All the ones in the room that are very correct are like, you, you don't drive the speed limit. Like you just had a coronary that I just said that. Um, they're, threes are get it done, people. We're going to get it done. It's going to get on time. It's going to get done on time. It's going to get done under budget. Um, and we, we need to get it done now. They're energetic. They, they, they're popular. They're active. They're dynamic. Uh, They're generally talented with an ability to take a multifaceted approach to a situation. They don't usually get myopic with the answer um, because they're not really loyal to the process. They just want the end result. So they just need the achievement. So that means they're very success oriented, uh, which is okay until, we'll talk about that in a minute, because they start to care more about what other people think uh, than the actual product that they've Uh, produced. So threes, though, they're faithful, they're loyal, and they're focused. So our type three in the Bible, and I don't like this one, um, but but I'm willing to go there with you because I think we're friends now. So let me just, the type three in the Bible is the rich young ruler. If you've ever read about the rich young ruler, the Bible doesn't give him a name, which drives threes crazy because we need recognition. Did you not see how good I did? Like you're praising him for his refrigerator art. That's ridiculous. Look what I did. You know, it's like, so threes, when they're unhealthy, they, point, they're making every, people, they can make people feel worse to make themselves look better. And so when they're unhealthy, they go that direction. We talked about it a little bit last week. But let's look at Mark chapter 10 um, at the rich young ruler who's really not in a healthy position as a type three. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running. Threes always are running. When I go to Walmart, or what was that store you named that? No Frills. Like, we don't have No Frills, but that, I would shop there if we had it just because of the name. But if we, so if I walked into No Frills tonight, I'm not walking around going, looking around. I'm in, I'm out. I'm going to set a timer to see if I can beat my personal best. I'm going to be out (laughs) in the car it's get me out of there they got to make stuff happen threes want to know the future they want to be the mayor they want to be a pastor they want to be the president they want to be successful at all costs and on the good side they're driven to make a difference they are they're not going to let anything slow them down when they're on the good side they're very driven so this man comes running up to him kneels down and asks good teacher what must i do to inherit what must I do? That is huge. Don't just read through the Bible so fast you miss all of that. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? Threes are thinking, how? Jesus, can you give me the trick to win? How do I inherit eternal life? I don't want to just win here. I want to be your understudy in heaven. Like God, you, the Holy Ghost, rich young ruler. Like I want to be right there. How do I do that? Threes are always looking, so threes don't usually live a satisfied life because they're never okay with what they just produced because it should have been better, so they're going to push to the next goal. So threes are very prone to depression and suicide because they're never content. And so threes are really good or really bad. And so if that relates to you, uh, you might want to look more into a three and how they respond and what their motivations are. Uh, this three here wants to to win so badly he asked Jesus that question then Jesus I love his responses why do you call me good because you're Jesus right like that's why I called you good but Jesus says why do you call me good only God is good so Jesus goes from telling everybody like I'm the son of man follow me to I'm not good well Jesus obviously is not lying or contradicting himself there's a reason why he's doing that. He's doing that because I love this, I love this part of Jesus. Jesus will always communicate to you at, the, at your point of communication. He, Jesus doesn't speak to Pastor Corey like he speaks to me, but it's, the, it's truth all the same. So when we try to put God in a box and make him speak a certain way and make altar calls always have to look a certain way, Jesus did not do that. He was, Jesus adapted his approach uh, to, to people why do you call me good only God's good but to answer your question to help you out young man you know the commandments you must not murder commit adultery don't steal it's not a good idea don't testify falsely don't cheat on anybody you know, honor your father and mother teacher the man replied I've done all of this since I was young and he feels like oh I've already won and I, I'm so good I already did it and I didn't even know I won this is awesome. And then Jesus looks at the man. Look at our Jesus here. And he felt genuine love. This is huge. And Jesus knows because it's hard for threes to be genuine. It's hard for threes to take the mask off and show you who they really are, because failure is the most frightening thing to a three. And I can tell you as a church planner, it's almost debilitating. You have got to have healthy people around you to remind you that the butts in the seats do not determine your identity. You've got to have the right people around you. And they've got, to, they've got to tell you that your love for who you are. Jesus feels genuine love for him. Threes don't know who they are because they've spent their whole life being someone else for everyone else. And it's natural for them to be great politicians. They can rally a crowd. It's been, said of, it's been said of threes. Um, I'm not sure what he stands for. Um, he gave a rousing speech at his campaign rally. I'm not sure what he stands for, um, but I voted for him. Why? Uh, I was inspired when he was done. What did he say? I don't remember. So they have a way of bringing people together and rallying troops, but they've got to have other people around them to help it move forward after that. So if threes are healthy, they get movers and shakers around them in the detailed realm while they are moving and shaking on the, on the outstretched arm of things. A, three, a, three can, a healthy three can liberate millions of people, but, a, but an unhealthy three will cause damage to millions. It's a, they are powerful people, but they've got to stay healthy. Jesus says, there's only one thing you haven't done. Dun, dun, dun. Here it comes. Go and sell everything and give all your money away. And then you're going to have treasure in heaven. One of the core fixations of a three that you'll learn is vanity. Jesus knows, looking at the rich young ruler, this dude's not going to sell everything. He's too caught up in who he is. He's too caught up in money. He's too caught up in appearances. And I would love for this rich young ruler to be a disciple with me. I mean, if if I had the truth-telling, the ear-cutting-off gumption of Peter, uh, in addition to this guy's diplomacy skills, Herod would come be a disciple for me if I had. Don't you know that Jesus already knows all of that? But Jesus can't shortcut his growth to get something for it himself. So he's telling him, This is what you need to do, man. And Jesus gives him a personal prescription of what he needs to do. Some of you are thinking, Man, how is that? That's easy. If Jesus told me to sell everything, I'd do it now. Yeah, because we're all broke. So it'd be easier. For us to do that. But this guy was so loaded. It might be easy for us to give our paychecks away, but Jesus goes right to his core sin. At that moment, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God? And this amazed them. And here's why it's amazing because it was ancient thought that if you were rich in this life, you were going to be rich in the next life. They thought everything carried over. But we know from following Jesus that the only return you'll see is what's invested in heaven's economy. So the people, your neighbor that gets saved, that's the only return you see in heaven. So it's a good ROI to be Jesus all the way out there in Airdrie and everywhere you are. You've got to show the light of Jesus. That's the only thing he'll take. There's an old, bear with this old West Texan for a minute, okay? He's like, There's this old song, terrible gospel song, country song. It's bad. Um, Hopefully, it's off the internet. It should be for for your safety. But it was this song that said, you can't take it with you when you go. You've never seen a U-Haul pulled behind a hearse. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Please stop singing it that nasally. But that's so true. You're right. You're right. And I'm not going to sing it for you because I'm a three and I need you to respect me. So let's move on. Jesus said, dear children, it's very hard for that to happen. In fact, a camel should go through the eye of a needle. It's easier for that to happen. The disciples were astounded. Well, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them intently. Now, here Jesus gets into like a leadership mode. Because a rich young ruler just walked off sad. And everybody's sad. So Jesus like takes the opportunity to teach them. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Did you know that scripture was in the context of that, that story? So now that you see that, threes reflect the hope of God. Why? Because they live at 30,000 feet. They're not down in the hurricane. They're flying above it going, wow, that's pretty. They're not thinking about all those people that are suffering. They're like, wow, that's beautiful. Uh, What's going on down there? Total devastation. That's a problem. Get the staff on it. I'm going to move to the next thing. They're not limited to what they see in the world. They see things that you don't see. Pastor Corey sees the church building. He sees thousands of people. They see it down the road. You see trailers and the Burt Church Theater and you see all of that. Pastor Corey has already figured out in his spirit that God is in control of where this thing goes and it's a crazy, ridiculous dream. And it's a beautiful thing. It's gonna take all of you to go there. So please, if you love your pastor, don't drag him down into the details. And for a three, please don't send ridiculously long emails. We won't read it. So don't do that. I love brother. I'm helping you out here. I got your back. I just saved you five hours of your life. That's every week. You just got that back. Uh, This is what threes do. They go for what the world says is impossible. The New York Times had an article that said, the Wright brothers were either liars or flyers. I mean, it's a a polarizing thing. So two truths that threes need to hear. Truth number one, you're a human being, not a human doing. Very close to what we talked about with the two, but you're a human being. When was the last time you sat there and thought about that feeling you had? Feelings are very rare for a three to think about. In fact, um, and I'll just be very personal for a moment, as a three, as Kelly and I were going through this, and we were learning a lot about the Enneagram, we started to go to counseling together, and uh, she thought she was going with me for moral support, and then the counselor was like, you're coming to alone, so that just need y'all to know that about her, so we could do that together, <laughs> and, uh, and he, he looked at me and said, what are you feeling? And I literally had this cognitive dissonance. I didn't understand his question. And I said, I don't know what you want me to say. And he looked at me, he said, Landon, you'll never be smarter than me. I'm older than you. I'm faster than you. I've already thought through what you're going to say. So stop trying to outthink me. You'll never win with me. Which is like, dude, I going I to find where you live. Like, I will win. Even if I go to jail, I'm going to win. And I got really angry with him. and kind of started to yell at the counselor. I'm paying you. Might as well yell. So it's just more fun. So I, and I was like, are you serious right now? You're going to play that card with me? You're going to go home and have dinner and be normal? I'm going to sit here all like messed up. Like, thank you for that. And I got really upset. Um, is it okay if I just be honest with you all? Like, so the, that, was, that was like a, a shifting moment for me. So landing a feeling is one word. Are you sad? Happy? Are you mad? Are you frustrated? Like, well, I'm not happy and tell you that right now. I know no, that's not it. He goes great. We've eliminated one. And he was being sarcastic. I was like, that's not helpful. You know, I just <laughs> felt like I was married to him. It wasn't really going well, you know. We, and I finally learned how to trace back these feelings. And you start doing that and you go all the way back to something that happened when you were 11 that you hadn't thought about in 25 years. And all of that happened because God began to unravel things through the Enneagram for us and people in our lives. Truth number two, God loved you before you ever felt like you needed to perform for him. Before you ever learned how to perform for him, God loved you. Even if you stopped performing for him and stopped being a Christian, he'd still love you. His heart would break, but he'd still be madly in love with you. God's going to teach you through your failure's threes. God is going to use you to turn the world upside down, but you've got to be healthy. And literally, it's life or death for threes. There's not a gray area in the emotional arena. You have got to have people around you. Threes, stay off of Instagram as much as you can. So stay, stay away from comparing yourself to the fruit and the productivity of other people because they don't live in the same place as you. They don't have the same... Uh, They don't have the same system as you. They don't have the same family members as you. They don't have the same job as you. Stop uh, mom-shaming everybody and know that you're doing the best you can as a working mom. And we all know the homeschool mom that's got all the art everywhere. She's just showing you that five minutes of the day that wasn't hell. So stop like comparing yourself to everybody and live your life. Live your life. Because Instascam only shows you the highlight reel and you're gonna find yourself in a dark place. So receive the truth today that your performance has never impressed Jesus. He's only wanting your heart. He knows your high octane. He made you that way. In cooperation with him, you'll change everything. And very quickly, as I'm out of time, type four, the individualist. Oh, these people are feelers. More than the twos and threes, talk about all up in my feelings, is the type four. You feel deeply. Your emotions are central to your experience. You value originality, authenticity. A buddy of mine's a four, and we were at the art conference in Birmingham, Alabama, and I was wearing uh, probably these jeans and, and shoes like this, and I was, I was wearing a black art sweatshirt. I got in the car, and we had on the exact same clothes. The brother gets out of the car and goes and changes because he's got to be original. I can't look like you. I'm not walking up in that conference. All 5,000 people are going to be looking at me going, hmm, How weird of you to dress like your pastor. It was like, no one's going to think that. No one cares at all. No one cares at all because they're all up in their own issues. They don't even recognize you. And so it it was was so telling. I was like, dang, this is serious. And so like fours, you you are so creative. Like you make your own t-shirts. Nobody's got this t-shirt. It's tie-dye. Made it myself. Nobody has this shirt in the world. And you feel proud about that. And it's, it's an important thing for you to know that there's this individuality quotient to you, but you're very feelings-based. Generally accepted around the world, there are less fours than any other type in the world. There are less fours, and most fours are women because they're highly creative, but there's a lot of... This is what's hard for guys that are fours because they really are out of touch because they're like, I'm not like wearing cowboy hats and driving pickup trucks and and going, you have Calgary Stampede. I saw you in a cowboy hat at the Stampede. It's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, I like to moisturize and get pedicures. I guess I don't know who I am. You know, it's like, no, you, you, you need to understand who you are, and, but not based on what you're seeing. Who are you on the inside? They're probably hurting just like you are. They're probably four just like you. It just doesn't look like you. So don't go there. You've got to go inside. They read the moods and feelings of people like crazy, and they know what you're feeling before you even know what you're feeling. So I've got fours in my life that go, I bet you're feeling this way. You're darn right I am. I, I am feeling that way. And how the heck did you know that? Like get out of here. You know, like it just, you get so frustrated. Like, hey, you didn't spying on me. You know, you get, you, they know what you're feeling. They're so intuitive that way. And as a three where feelings can be four and you'd need these guys in your life, fours are special. Don't try to change them. Don't try to make them somebody else. So our type four in the Bible is King Saul. What? What are you talking about? How, how is King Saul the four? Let me show you. Because Samuel, at the end of his life, um, Samuel was an incredible leader, one of the most influential leaders in the Bible, but he was not a great dad. He was a terrible father. We don't really ever talk about that, but Samuel was a deadbeat dad. And we forget about that. But Samuel's about to die, and he knows his sons are idiots. He's like, oh, they can't lead. They're total wastes of oxygen. They can't lead. So what am I going to do? So he's like, God, you can't let these terrible children you gave me lead. What am I going to do? And so then God's like, well, well, you know what you want. And Samuel's like, let me ask the people, which is let people vote. That's always been a great idea. So let's let people vote. Um, And they're like, great. So they get all the people together. And then God says, go ahead. Give them what they want then. And so God knows there's a lesson coming. So here's what's incredible. First Samuel 10. Later, Samuel called all the people of Israel to meet before the Lord at Mizpah. And he said, this is what the Lord God of Israel has declared. I brought you out of Egypt. I rescued you from from the Egyptians and everyone who's been oppressing you. But though I've rescued you from your misery and all your distress, you've rejected God. And you've said, no, we want a king instead, not a prophet. We want a king. Samuel wasn't a king. We, we don't want a man of God. We want a politician. Because how well has that worked out for both of our countries? So we need, we need God, not a politician. Should I not have said that? I don't know. Is that too direct? I live at the other end of the world from you. So I, I, I go home after this. Uh, there's a, sorry for all the messes you have to clean up by me being here. And he said, this is what the Lord God of Israel has declared This is, you want a politician, you don't want a man of God, so now, therefore, let's present yourselves to the Lord by tribes. So here comes the system. You got the systems person. See, you and I, we want the politician, we want to be led by our feelings. We want somebody to make us feel something. We don't, when you and I are all up in our feelings and someone gives us a word from the Lord, we're like, I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. No, that is not, the Lord would not tell me to be in a small group when, when I'm feeling lonely. I just need you to commiserate with me in my offense. I mean, you're, the devil is a liar. You know, it's like you're rebuking what God sent to you as healing. That's a whole other sermon. I don't have time for that. But therefore, present yourselves to the Lord by tribes. So there was a big group, 12 groups, and clans, groups within the 12 tribes. So you can already see the org chart here. So Samuel brought everyone together before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen because they gambled, which is always a great idea. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord. So they get the tribes and the clans and then the tribe of Benjamins chosen. See, here's what's interesting is God often chooses the people who are the least in everyone else's minds to do his next work. So even though they're completely doing a system out of God's will at the moment, God's still gonna redeem it and give them one of the greatest kings they ever had. King Saul always gets a bad rap, but I love the brother, and I'm gonna tell you why. Here's what's interesting about it. They're, they're, the fours are they're so, much, so much quieter, and they're not as loud as... as as the 3s and the 8s they're not they're not going to like assert themselves in a meeting but they've got a lot to say and the people are amazed when the least of the tribes of Israel is chosen and then the scariest cat dude of all the tribes of everyone in Benjamin is picked and his name is Saul and here's what he does. And the family of the matriarchs was chosen, and finally Saul was chosen from among them, and they looked for him, but where did Saul go? Saul disappeared. Why? Because he's a four, and that's what they do. Don't put the light on me. Is that a spotlight? I'm out of here. But threes are like, is that a spotlight? I belong there. It's fours are like, no, I got to get out of here. Saul doesn't want to be thrown in front of everybody, especially because they gambled to make it happen. He's like, that can't be God. I'm out of here. So he takes off. So this is what they do. They ask the Lord, where'd he go? They didn't even ask each other. Like, okay, we're not going to find him. Let's stop wasting time. God, where'd he go? So let's, let's just, let's just cut to the chase. And the Lord answers them back. And that how, so pray for the Lord to help you find your car keys. You know, just how he might speak back. You never know. And the Lord replied, he's hiding in the luggage. What? Have you ever read that verse? He jumped in to the TSA line, the luggage line. He, he's hiding in your carry-ons. And, and, he, and they're like, where is Saul? The dude head dove into the luggage, and they found him and drug him out, and he stood head and shoulders above everybody. That dude had to bury himself in a bunch of bags. So here's the truth. Four is you're trying to hide from everybody, but God's called you to a life of significance in front of everybody. You can't hide. You've got to. Sh- You'll always stand head and shoulders above everybody else in your creativity. You, you're, when you see things going on in the service and you've got an idea, you're, you're, fours, here's what fours do. Well, I bet Pastor Corey's already thought of that. Already thought of that. So I just won't say anything. I bet you he hasn't. I bet you he hasn't because he's trying to lead a growing church and he's still leading worship, but one of you probably should be. And so it's, he's, he's trying to move forward. Should I, I'm trying to help you, brother. So he said, you need. You guys are moving in the direction of, of, of providence. Like God is leading this church in a, an amazing way. And some of you were led here today by a friend and that you know you feel God here. You feel something in here. You know it's, church isn't what you thought it was gonna be, is it? It's different than you thought it was gonna be. And you know you need to come back because you're, you're very curious about what God is doing in your life. And, and God's gonna call you out of the baggage. God's gonna call you out of the luggage you don't look like everyone else, so don't act like everyone else. Then Samuel said to all the people, Here's the man the Lord chose. No one's like him. He tried to hide in the bags, but here he is. That's the worst thing for a four. But here's what happens. The individualists, number four, reflect the uniqueness of God. There's no one like God in all the earth. There was no one like Jesus. And there, there's, 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 there's no movement In Ardrey, like Venue, there's God is doing something powerful right in front of your eyes. Embrace the uniqueness of God because fours reflect it. Your church reflects it. God is unique. Fours, you live with the fear that you're going to be inadequate. So you don't step out and take risks, but God says otherwise. You don't care a lot about success. You just want to know that you're making a difference. God is there for you. Two truths fours need to hear. Feel your emotions, but follow your faith. Feel, but follow. Don't, don't feel and then follow the feeling. Oprah lied to you. Don't follow your feelings. Follow your faith. Truth number two, intentionally think in terms of gratitude. You've got fours have to think about that. Why? Because the core sin of a four is envy. The core sin of a four is jealousy. I just, why am I not like them? Why am I not? Why don't I have? The sin of envy keeps you from thinking and seeing like God does. You miss situations right in front of you when your core fear is being unnoticed. When, when your being unnoticed carries over with your core sin. When your core fear and your core sin get married, this is what happened to Saul at the end of his life. He threw spears at the people he loved the most. And at the end of his life, he left God because he got so unhealthy and would not listen to truth. Saul was the greatest king that Israel had. And you're like, I thought it was King David. No, Saul did way more than David ever did as a king. But we don't talk about that a lot because we like David better. And we're like, no, but what about Saul? Saul was so loved by Israel when he died, there was a civil war because they didn't know who to follow after that because they all still wanted Saul there. They loved him that much and 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 they talked well about him after he died. They loved King Saul. Saul, it doesn't say Saul defeats Goliath. It says David defeats Goliath. Here's where the envy comes in. Saul's killed his thousands, but the Instagram account of David says he killed 10,000. And they're singing these songs, and they credit David with something, and the little boy hadn't even done anything yet. He did one thing, and Saul felt like everything else he did in his life didn't matter anymore. And from that moment on, his life changed, because it said from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. That was the shifting point in the life of Saul. Remember what God said about David? I found a man after my own heart. Even though David committed far more sins than Saul ever did, he still went back to God every time he did. Saul ran into himself, not into God, after he sinned. See, the conflict in 1 Samuel 14, the conflict with the Philistines was fierce all of Saul's days. Whenever Saul noticed any strong man, he enlisted him. This is Saul when he's healthy. Four is when you're healthy, you see talent unlike anyone else. When you're healthy, you see it. You're like, ooh, that guy needs to be our bass player. But Johnny's our bass player, but he only knows three notes. We need this guy. We need him to come train him. We need, we need to raise the water level of the entire organization so God can bring more people here. We need to, we need to do that. We need to enlist people. But for us, when you're unhealthy, you hide that guy and try to throw shade on the guy to make yourself look better, but you're not willing to grow. we have got to move forward from that. I want to tell you about a couple of resources before I pray and we close. The INIA app. Enia app. It's on Google Play Store and iTunes. Um, it's an app that will help you sort through um, all of the, uh, they call them lines, when you're healthy, when you're unhealthy. Well, how do you respond with your type? And how do you respond to different types of relationships? And what does a three look like at work? And what does a three look like in their marriage? And uh, what does a six look like when they're talking to a nine? Like, you need to know all of those things. It's very helpful, um, and it's mostly free, but if you want to take the test and stuff on there, it's, you can do that. And then there's a book called The Path Between Us. The, the, one of the greatest books, and I referenced it last week, was The Road Back to You. Uh, and it is a biblical approach to the Enneagram. The follow-up book was written by the co-author Suzanne Stabile, and it was about how each type interacts with each type. So it's riveting. It's, it's like, oh, I just did that yesterday. You know, that's, it, it, it's, and it's eerie how accurate it is, but I want to resource you. Let me read this before I pray, Mark 12. In the message translation, same verse, the Lord our God is one, so love him with all your passion, your prayer, your intelligence, and all your energy. Love others as well as you love yourself. Nothing else ranks higher than these two things. So if you're going to give God your passion, if you're going to give God your mind, if you're going to give God your energy, if you're going to give God all of your spiritual attention and prayer, it's going to require you to learn as much as you can about the greatest creation God ever made, and that was you. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, God, for sending your son to die on a cross for our sins. And we're so grateful, Lord, that, that you're speaking to us, that you're leading and guiding us. And just God, is just as you were active in the stories of old we just read, we know you're active in our life now. And I know, God, you're moving here. So with every head and every eye closed, in fact, you've been led here on purpose to hear this message today, and I believe that fully. Today is a defining moment in your life. Jesus has met you here. He's available to save you. He's available to forgive you if you ask for his help. And some of you are feeling very vulnerable right now, and you know, oh, I don't like this. This is, I'm feeling stretched. This feels very strange. God wants to come and heal that and speak to that, and he sees it, and he's not discounting that. But just like we just read, God will be gentle, authentic, and loving to you. He accepts you, and he wants to know you more. And I pray today that as I pray this prayer, that you would make Jesus the Lord of your life. And because this is a family, because we are all in this together, because we're all growing together and learning together and standing together and crying together and laughing together, and because we're doing that, we're all going to pray together because it's going to take all of us um, as we journey down the road back to us. For some of you, it's the first time to come to Jesus. For some of you, you're coming back to Jesus. And we know if God doesn't have the top spot, does he really have a spot at all? So you need to know where he is in your life. Either way, we're gonna pray. You know in your heart if that's you, and then they're gonna let you know how how you can respond to that after this prayer. But we're all gonna pray out loud together, even though I'm on a screen, we're all gonna pray out loud together because somebody's meeting Jesus today. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Your word tells me that if I confess my sin and I believe on the name of the Lord Jesus, that I will be saved. So Father, forgive me of my sin. I receive the blood of Jesus on my life. And I want to move forward in the Holy Spirit now. I pledge myself to grow, to not run from hard conversations. But this day is a defining moment in my life. Your word tells me that I'm made brand new and that when I receive Jesus, I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. Never, never, never. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen.